the Cincinnati Reds got the steal of the first round. They have begun to pack their farm system with lots of talent, and it started with this draft. We're going to get into exactly what the Reds added and how excited you should be for the future of this Reds team on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and my co-host, Stephen Offenbaker, is out today. He'll be back again tomorrow as we look at an interesting topic, an all-star topic that, you know, bad Reds takes. That's coming up on tomorrow's podcast on today's episode that's brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks again for making us your first listen. We appreciate you. Hope that each and every day, Steve and myself can somehow make it all right to be a Reds fan and make you a little bit happier that you root for the oldest team in professional baseball. On today's episode, we are going to talk about the draft. We're going to talk about the steal of the first round and why the Reds were the team that got him. And we're going to look at some other guys and what sort of impacts they can have. Some guys from day two that you're going to want to watch their development as we go along. Plus, Luis Castillo to Houston. We'll talk about that in a little bit. We're going to start off, though, with some draft talk. And I was really excited to see the pick because I know a little bit, you know, looking at different top draft boards and things like that, top draft rankings. When it comes to the experts, you've got, you know, MLB Pipeline and Baseball America and Keith Law and things like that. Guys who know their prospects and know their draft guys. And I think that the Reds got the first round steal of the draft based on what everybody was saying. This is not just sheer bravado from a Reds fan that's looking for any sort of hope. Cam Collier, third baseman out of Chipola Junior College in Florida, was considered by many to be one of the top draft prospects next year. He reclassified. He did a Bryce Harper move. He actually said, look, I graduated early from high school. I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to go to junior college. He is the youngest position player in this draft because of all of these moves. And he played with a lot of older players around him, a lot of older talent. He was dealing with guys who had more experience than he did, especially whenever he went to the Cape Cod League. And he was playing against guys like that. And guess what? He was still thriving. He wasn't surviving. He was thriving in junior college. He slashed 300, 400, 500. Now is a little bit over each of those numbers, but you're talking about a over 300 batting average, over 400 on base and over 500 slugging. Just an absolutely phenomenal hitter. He was rated as one of the absolute best bats in this draft, despite the fact that he turns 18 in November. Yeah, kid's 17, should be a high school junior right now, and he's phenomenal. Now, he is listed currently as a third baseman. He may end up moving off third base because he's probably going to continue to grow. He's 6'1", 210. And it's all about the hit tool, though. I mean, this is the kind of guy that we're going to be talking about in the future when we say, look, 
Cam Callier can absolutely kill the ball. I don't care where he plays. He's going to be in the lineup. Left-handed bat, power to all fields. But the thing that is key here, and I want to thank, by the way, I forgot to do this before I even started talking about Cam Callier. I want to thank Doug Gray over at RedsMinorLeagues.com. Doug's a friend of the podcast. He has a lot of great information. If you want to find some more in-depth stuff about the draft, go over to RedsMinorLeagues.com. But I was looking at the different profiles that he had, and he has compiled information from a lot of different dudes. And when you look at Cam Collier, the thing that's most impressive about him is the fact that he has a plus, and it's not really a tool that scouts rate right now, but it's a plus plate discipline. He models his game after Juan Soto, which, you know, it's nice to hear that after what happened last night with Juan Soto winning the home run derby. But he is the kind of guy that has very good pitch recognition, despite the fact that he's only 17 years old. And Cam Collier like led off this draft for the Reds that a lot of people are praising. A lot of people say they've really added some good talent here and it starts with Collier. There's a lot of folks that think that right away Collier is going to slot into the top five and the Reds got him at 18. It was phenomenal to see because as Joe Katuska uh, director of scouting said, you know, we thought he was going to be off the board. We thought he was done. Like we weren't even going to be able to touch him. And all of a sudden, he falls 18. Joe Katuska actually had some really good thoughts. A couple of key thoughts here real quick. Uh, he's got a lot more in-depth stuff that, that Doug covers over at RedsMinorLeagues.com. But he had a great little clip talking about the day one picks. Uh, real good. You know, very, very positive. We got, you know, we led off with, with Cam and Sal Stewart. Um, we think both of them have really advanced bats with power. Um, obviously they, they both have traditionally played third base, but, uh, hitters find a way into the lineup every day. Uh, and we're, we're real confident in that. Um, and then coming back with Logan Tanner, you know, he was the starting catcher for a college world series winning team last year, team USA catcher, very advanced, uh, defensive profile with power. Uh, and Justin Boyd was a guy that really grew on us this year. I uh, hadn't seen him a whole lot in the past, but scouted that team heavily this spring. Uh, and he stood out for his athleticism, bat-to-ball skills, um, and, and we think he's a great fit in center field for us. He mentioned a couple of names there that I want to get into. We talked about Cam. I'm really excited to watch this dude develop. But also Sal Stewart, another guy who is listed as a third baseman, but defensively may not stick there. And it's a different reasoning. Like we think that Cam Collier may actually grow out of being a third baseman, whereas Sal Stewart defensively doesn't profile there. He probably profiles more as a first baseman. But again, very good contact hitter. Kind of hope he develops a little bit more power, but the reports are that the power is already pretty solid. He's also scouted, and, and this is important too when we talk about Jose Barrero and some different guys. I mean, think of Aristides Aquino. Sal Stewart is already said to be able to handle breaking balls very well, as if, you know, there is no problem for him whatsoever. That's good to hear. And, you know, with him moving positions again, this is something that I believe by the time we're talking about Cam Collier and Sal Stewart making impacts on the major league team, they're going to have spots for them in the lineup and they're going to have a better defensive setup because I think that the Reds know 
that they can't punt defense anymore. And I don't think that they punted defense with these picks. These are guys who can develop into probably some solid defensive guys that aren't necessarily the kind of drain that you would think out in the field. But I think that when you look at Sal Stewart, he is coming out of high school. South Florida high school baseball is top notch and Stewart was one of the best. And it's also worth noting that he was the compensation pick. So he was picked in comp in compensation round a right after the first round. That is the pick that the reds got when Nick Castellanos signed with the Phillies. So Sal Stewart is your guy who replaces, if you really want to think about it that way, it doesn't really fall into line, but there's in my mind, I'm like, okay, so that's what the reds are going to end up getting two guys who Yes, it's going to take a few years for these guys to develop. And it's worth noting that whether you think a pick is good or risky or whether you think a dude is a surefire thing, there's still going to be a few years before we see them in the major leagues. Think about this. I mean, Hunter Green was drafted in 2017 out of high school. So you can probably figure that we're not going to be talking about Cam Collier till at least 2026. This guy's in the next next wave, probably either the second wave or the third wave. When you're talking about this whole rebuild idea, we keep pointing to 2024. Cam Collier is not a part of that. Sal Stewart's not a part of it. These are going to be the guys who you see at the top of the Reds prospect lists in 2024 and 2025 as we look toward 2026. But they are going to be very important in the development of this team. There's a couple of other guys from day one and some interesting notables from day two, including a guy who is 6'6, 275, and his fastball has touched 100 miles an hour. We're going to get into that here after I tell you about the best place to get your next ring or other piece of jewelry. Whatever you're looking for is at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com has the kind of setup where you can build your next piece. Whether you're looking for the engagement ring of her dreams, the unique piece that she will be able to show off to all of her friends, or if you're just looking to celebrate a special moment, Blue Nile can help you out. And they've got their anniversary sale going on right now at BlueNile.com. You can save 40% off of different kinds of jewelry for a special occasion, or you can save 25% off engagement rings at BlueNile.com. And if you're not really sure what you're looking for, if you're like me and you know a lot more about on base percentage than you do whatever a ring side and cut and jewelry and whatever. I don't know. I don't know jewelry, but BlueNile.com has experts that are on call and ready for you 24 hours a day to help you find exactly what you're looking for. BlueNile.com. Head on over there today. And when you place your order, it's going to come to your door. It's going to be in the kind of packaging that's not going to give away what's inside. So she's not going to see it on the patio and know right away. Hey, look, I got some jewelry. That's not going to happen. BlueNile.com. Go there today for their special anniversary sale and shop stress-free to find your forever peace at BlueNile.com today. Thanks again for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. You need to go check out, if you're a fan of football, the Locked on NFL Top 50. In conjunction with BetOnline, Locked on NFL looks at the top 50 players who help influence odds and uh, point spreads 
every single week in the NFL. That's the Locked On NFL Top 50. That started on Monday, and it's going all week long on the Locked On NFL channel. Go check them out today. All right, so the Reds did have a couple of other first-day picks that were interesting. They picked a, a College World Series winning catcher and a guy who could be a center fielder. In fact, he mentioned it in his video that I just played. Joe Katuska said that Justin Boyd profiles as a center fielder, and he would have played center field at Oregon State had he not had a, a teammate who played center field more often. So there's a couple of schools of thought there. Was he a good center fielder? Probably. It's just this other guy was a little bit better because he's actually really fast. He's a really athletic defender with a decent arm. The biggest question for him is going to be power. If he does not slot into center field like they're hoping, and if he doesn't develop as a center fielder like they want him to, he doesn't really have enough power to be a viable everyday corner outfielder. He'll end up turning into a platoon player faster than you can blink an eye. So he's really got to develop a couple of different things. He's got to make sure that center field is the spot for him, for Justin Boyd, or maybe develop some power, but that's not necessarily something that they're expecting him to do. And then the college world series winning catcher, think future Tucker, future Tucker Barnhart. Love Tucker. I miss Tucker. But Logan Tanner, he was catcher at Mississippi State whenever they won two seasons ago. And almost everyone universally agrees that he is going to be an elite, not good, not great, an elite defensive catcher. He is one of the strongest arms in the last few years. Now, the reason that he was available for the Reds there in the second round is hit tool is a question mark. Now he has the kind of power that can really become an asset. The scouting is though he's going to have to change his swing. He doesn't necessarily have the kind of hit tool that's really going to keep him in the middle of the line. We're not talking about Tyler Stevenson here. We're talking about Tucker Barnhart, a guy who if he can improve his hit tool as he develops in the Reds minor league system, he can be a pretty viable everyday catcher for his defense. And then whatever you get from him at the plate will just be a bonus. But he still has to develop that hit tool. A couple of other guys of note when we're looking at the second day, yesterday's pick. So what I just told you was really more of Sunday's picks. What the Reds did on Monday, there were a lot more picks because they went by a lot faster. It was like rapid fire there for a little while. We're talking about rounds three through 10. Now there's not compensation rounds in between and things like that, but you're still talking about a lot more picks happen in one day than they did on Sunday. Couple of notables here. The first one, and everybody, and in fact, um, I was tagged by both Jeff Ellis and Lindsey Crosby, who did our Locked On MLB Draft show recapping the first round. I was tagged by them about this dude, the Reds' sixth round pick, Zach Maxwell, right handed pitcher out of Georgia Tech, 6'6, 275. Big dude. This dude is going to be an imposing presence on the mound, and he has an exciting fastball that sits at 98-99, and it's topped out over 100 miles an hour. The thing about him is going to be control. He had really bad control problems. Can they develop 
his ability to control his pitches and move them in and out of the zone at will and understand where they're going to go because he also has a big slider, the slider, the kind of slider that's going to make him an asset. And in fact, Lindsay said, think Joe Boyle, Joe Boyle, who has pitched phenomenally for the Dragons this year, is pretty much what we're looking at when we're looking at Zach Maxwell out of Georgia Tech. Very excited to see how he develops. There's a couple of other pitchers. There's two lefties that I'm intrigued by. In the third round, they picked Bryce Hubbard from Florida State. He's got three above average pitches, but people believe that he's probably going to end up being a relief pitcher. And then there's Rob Henze. This is in the ninth round. He's a lefty out of Monmouth. Something that's interesting there, I think it's because it's a smaller school, so people are not necessarily sure about his uh, competition that he played against, but something that you cannot, it doesn't matter who you're pitching against. Competition does not affect this elite control, not just good control, elite control. Last year in 81 in a third innings pitched, he had 13 walks and he had 102 strikeouts. Now his velocity in great. His fastball sets around 88 to 92, and he's got a nice slider and a nice changeup. So it's going to be interesting to watch how he is developed with this Reds farm system now and under Derek Johnson's tutelage and things like that. Is he going to add some velocity to that? Or do they believe that that elite control is based on the fact that he keeps his velocity manageable? And does that add to his stamina? Does that mean that he will be better suited as a starter? which obviously means it's a valuable pick in the ninth round. But of course, ninth round, you're not necessarily talking about a sure thing here. So there's a reason he was available. Even with the elite control, there's probably still a wide range. I mean, every single one of these guys, they all have super wide ranges of outcomes. You're, you're really betting on the Reds development system with whoever you draft. But it's awesome to see that there's a lot of guys who are very notable here. They had a couple of other picks. Um, Trey Faltine in the seventh round, and I believe I'm saying that right, out of Texas. He's a shortstop that has an amazing field tool is what they're saying. Above average defender with real questions about hitting, though. That's something that he just he's got to basically develop his hit tool. It's not there. So if he wants to make the major leagues and be like a glove first dude, he's really still got to pick up the hitting because even in the limited time he got this past year, just under 300 at bats, he had over 100 strikeouts. You're talking about almost 37% of the time he struck out. And that's in college, and that's in the Big 12. That's not even the SEC. So that's a little bit rough to see. So we'll see how he can develop. I'm saying see a lot there. <laughs> but it's great to see these picks and to see the prospects that the Reds are adding. And this is just the beginning because we've got trade deadline season coming. I mean, it is the trade deadline season. There's rumors that are abounding. It's so many different things that are flying around about so many different Reds players. We'll focus in on another new rumor about Luis Castillo and where he might end up. And this is an American league team that we're talking about in just a moment. First though, I want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar's got this amazing flavor. The coconut brownie chunk Built Bar was so good. Now imagine it as a marshmallow. They made it a puff. The coconut brownie chunk puff. 
It's, it's absolutely phenomenal. You got to go check it out today at built.com because I'm a huge coconut guy. I'm a huge brownie guy, huge chocolate guy. They combined all of that and they put it into a marshmallow. Creamy, delicious, and the kind of statistics that make it a first round consensus number one overall pick. We're talking about around 130 calories, up to 18 grams of protein, low carb, low sugar. These fit into every diet, including. Keto. Check them out today, built.com. And you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. Built's got all kind of amazing flavors. They've even got the granola bars that they rolled out a couple of months ago. So many different things that are going on that you need to check out. That promo code LOCKED15 is going to help you save 15% off everything on that website at built.com. Stack your cabinets with the kind of snack that's going to make you healthier but you're not even going to know it because you're going to think you're eating a candy bar built.com and use the promo code locked 15. Make sure that you're following us on Twitter. You can follow Steve at S Offenbaker with two F's. You can follow me at Jeff Carr with three F's and you can follow the show at locked on reds. No F's in that one. Also a quick plug as well tonight for the all-star game beginning at 8 PM will be the Locked On MLB Hangout. We're actually going to have a whole bunch of different hosts from the Locked On MLB channel dropping in, talking some baseball. We're going to be looking at the Mariners' absolute just huge, furious comeback that they've been going through. I definitely want to talk about some awesome young players for the Pirates. We're going to talk to Stacy about how good the Yankees are, which I know that a lot of you are really happy about that because the Reds beat them. But there's so much going to be happening tonight at 8 p.m. on the Locked On MLB YouTube channel as we talk about the All-Star Game. We just talk some baseball while the All-Star Game is going on. And, you know, while the All-Star Game is going on, I'm not sure if we're going to see our dude pitch in the All-Star Game. But if we don't, there's still going to be lots of talk about him being traded. And I think it's most likely at this point that Luis Castillo gets dealt. I, I know that we've talked a little bit about uh, the Reds possibly signing him and the kind of goodwill that it would foster, the kind of reputation that the Reds could possibly repair a little bit. The only thing about it is that's not what the Reds do. I give that maybe a, okay, it's a non-zero chance, but it's definitely less than 1%. This is not something that I, I think this is right there with Nick Castellanos coming back. This was something we talked about this past offseason. Sure, in a vacuum, in a perfect world, he should be a red for the rest of his career. Number one, that doesn't really happen anymore for any player. Joey Votto might very well be the last like career red superstar. The last guy that really starts and ends his career as a red and we're really happy about the fact that he's been here the whole time. I don't necessarily think that we've got anybody on our team right now who could be a career red and nor do I think that there's uh, the, the industry major league baseball as a whole is moving away from that. I mean, Juan Soto got offered a 15 year contract for $440 million, an extension by the, uh, by the Washington nationals. And he turned him down. 
That's insane to me. And, and I love I love how much he's betting on himself. And he's a Scott Boris uh, player. So obviously Scott Boris is telling him, don't you dare sign that deal because I can get you more in free agency or something like that. Maybe more average annual value or something there. But the idea that you can have that much security on a piece of paper on the table, all you got to do is sign and you turn it down. That's telling me that Major League Baseball is moving away from this. So I'm not thinking that if uh, that the Reds could put together a deal that would keep Luis Castillo, at least not one. I mean, I mean, they could. It's not it's not, you know, completely out of the realm of reality. But in the Reds reality, in the Castellini's reality, yeah, it's out of it's, it's not going to happen. They're not going to come up with a kind of deal. That's going to keep him in town. So we keep looking toward the rumor mill. And we're talking about trading Luis Castillo. The most recent rumor that I've seen is that the Astros are in on this. Now, it's always with the caveat, if you're a contending team and you're not talking about trying to acquire Luis Castillo from the Reds, then you ain't trying hard enough and you deserve every loss that you get because Luis Castillo is going to make everyone better. Anyone that he goes to, he instantly makes him better. If he goes to the Yankees, then they're far and away the World Series favorite. If If he goes to the Dodgers, I think the Dodgers become the World Series favorite. If he goes to the Mets, same deal. And the Mets are only two wins ahead now. We, we've been talking, I've been talking all year long about how good the Mets are and how great they look. They're two wins ahead of the Atlanta Braves right now. Maybe the Braves make a deal for Luis Castillo. I don't know. But the Astros could swoop in and get him. Now, the Astros have had great pitching. They've had great, and they still continue to have great starting pitching depth. They've been as good as they've been, and they haven't had Lance McCullers. That's pretty phenomenal, if you ask me. However, you can always use more pitching, and Luis Castillo is there for the taking. Now, as far as uh, is sort of prospects and things like that go, again, the deal's got to hurt. The Astros can't look at this and be like, yeah, I, th- I, think, we're, I think we're fine with that deal. they got to be like, are you sure? Are you sure? The Astros have been one of the deepest farm systems and one of the well, most well-run organizations over the last six, seven years, maybe probably eight years. And that's something that I would like the Reds to tap into. What, what can you get from that farm system that's going to be super impactful? Because with this draft, we've seen that they've set themselves up nicely for five years from now. These guys that they just drafted, I don't think any of them is going to be part of the 2024 plan. So do you continue to add for that or do you continue to build the next way? Because part of the Astros success, and they've shown it this year. Now, I know he's been on the IL, often on the IL, but they've shown their success by the fact that they just let Carlos Correa go. They're like, nah, we got somebody that's going to replace him. You just wait. And Jeremy Pena has absolutely proved them right with the way that he has played. So I want the Reds to have that sort of a thing. Like, okay, we got wave on wave. 
You want to see Jonathan India wants an exorbitant amount of money? Great, we got somebody that's going to replace him. And I know. That's the kind of thing that, yeah, we just got our Jonathan India jersey or something like that, and that would really suck. But as a fan of a team that has experienced pretty much no success since my birth, I would like to see them experience some success. And when they start that success, don't stop it a year or two later, right? The Reds made the playoffs in 2020. I get it. They didn't score a run in 22 innings, but they were a playoff team. What happened after that? (sighs) Crash and burn. Don't do that anymore. I don't want to see that anymore. And that's what Nick Crawl was talking about with eliminating peaks and valleys. The biggest problem with that was he eliminated everything whenever he followed his instructions from ownership to get rid of everything. So I don't know how you build a team that eliminates peaks and valleys when you're just trying to get rid of everybody. But I feel like they have the core. They've got the important guys to build around for 2024. And Luis Castillo is going to help them bring back some guys that are going to add to that core because you need a full team. The angels have shown that Mike Trout and Shohei Otani ain't going to get it done. Shohei Otani continues to do things that we just, we just can't fathom things that we will look back on in his career and go, Holy cow. He was a lot of fun to watch. He was on a team that didn't know crap about putting talent around him. Don't do that. If you're the Reds, you, you can't do that. And so you got to hit on this Luis Castillo trade. So it's got to hurt. Whoever makes the deal with them, whoever turns themselves into World Series favorites, they got to be a little bit worried about their future after that trade. And that's what I want to see. We'll continue talking about that. Plus, I want to look at some takes that I've had over the years and that Steve has had over the years about the Reds that have been horribly wrong. Spoiler alert. One of them has to do with Chris Heisey. That's going to come up on tomorrow's Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much, though, for checking out today's Locked On Reds podcast. If this is your first time, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss anything we've got coming for you, whether you're listening on your favorite audio app or you're watching right here on YouTube. Thank you so much. Now, go make your second listen Locked On MLB Prospects. I mentioned Lindsey Crosby earlier in the show. He's all over this, man. He's all over the draft. He's all over prospects and who's next in the Major League Baseball world. Locked On MLB Prospects is just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms. But I'll tell you this, with all of the rumors swirling and with a little bit of consternation about what the Reds will be like from a day-to-day basis this second half, although there's there's so much to watch, and we'll cover that as the All-Star break goes along, we will be right here for you every single day because we're going to be locked on Reds every single day.